You are listening to season three of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this day uh, on this fresh new episode that we have. And I'm excited to talk about this. Actually, a little bit excited, but not too excited because <laughs> I made most of my church leadership mistakes on this topic that we're going to be talking about oh, today. God. So, and honestly, Sue, I'm a little nervous because I don't know how people are going to take this one on this episode because I might be saying some things that may not sound very Christian, honestly. And uh, we'll talk about that a little later. But before we get there, before we get there, uh, we always start some, this podcast off with a, an opening question. And Sua has a question for us. I have a question. Today. You might have to think about it a little bit because okay. it's a bit of a like a thought provoking question. But my Uh-oh. question is, um, no, it's nothing. It's nothing funny. My question is, um, what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you? Like things that people might think about you, but you're like, that's literally not. But it's a very common thing that people think about you. I can go first so that you can think about yours. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, I'll tell you mine. But you know what though, Sua? What? what? If, I, if, I, if, if I don't have a good answer, can you answer that for me? I bet you you can answer that for me. Okay. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Well, I'll tell you mine you and maybe it'll come me. to you. Okay. So right, mine right, is that right. a lot of people, and you also have said this to me. That's why I know in in my uh-huh. ring true to you a lot of people think i'm very optimistic but i'm actually not optimistic at all i'm a very very pessimistic mm. person and i'll tell you why like i remember right. you and i once we were in the office and you said to me sua this is why you and i get along so well we're like eternal optimists and i was like i am not an optimist <laughs> i am de- we get along because i am not an optimist i'm actually a huge pessimist be- and that's why i'm such a happy you got to explain person. this cuz I, I don't i don't agree with that but you got to explain okay i'll tell you, you why explain. Yeah. I have very, very low expectations of people and life in general. That All is right. why I am never upset because I never am disappointed. Mm. It's kind of like when Steve, remember when Steve said like this whole thing about his pet peeve of me is that like, and this is a little bit different, but he said like, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. It's also because yeah. I don't have high expectations of people. Like when I meet somebody, I don't expect that they're going to like be great. I just kind of keep so my we- expectations very, very low. Even all right. Let's say with people like your 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 husband. Do you have low expectations of your husband? Um, I have standards, but I don't have high expectations. And I think that's why you know. Remember when I I don't know if I just said I think I said this on a podcast once, but we were talking about like, and this is a bit sexist, so you know, please don't cancel me. But I remember we were watching a movie and they were talking about like you know the maintenance levels of girls, like girlfriends. Uh-huh. And I remember I said to John, I said, hey, like on a scale of like one to 10, like 10 being like super duper high maintenance and one being like uber, uber low maintenance. Like, what do you think I am? And John was like a one. And then I said, OK, but what was I when we were like dating? And he was like a one. Um, <laughs> and so I think that kind of goes to like who I'm, I'm very I don't have expectations. Like I have very low expectations. And, you know, OK, like I'll give you another example. Mm. Right. Like um. When I was pregnant, I was always so concerned that my children were going to have like health issues. And my sister-in-law was like, why do you like think about these things? And I'm like, mm-hmm. my default is I always think that something terrible could happen to me. Like, I don't ever think I'm immune to like, quote unquote, horrible things happening to me. Okay. And maybe this is partly because of the way I grew up. Like my family was downwardly mobile, meaning I grew up relatively wealthy. And then my parents' business went bankrupt and I became downwardly mobile. And so mm-hmm. the trajectory of how I expect things to go is not up. It's just it could, at any point, this could all come crashing down. So yeah. just enjoy it while you can kind of mentality. 
And if you ask John, he'll tell you, I'm not so an optimist. So everyone thinks I'm an optimist because I'm so happy all the time. So, so then you're saying that because you have low expectations of everything, uh, like people in general, that makes you more of a like a, a, a an upbeat, happy, cheery person. Yeah, because I'm not disappointed. The, huh? Because you're not disappointed. disappointed. Okay, so it's yeah. not that you're an optimist. It's just because you have low expectations. And so because of that, you can just still live a very kind of a, a cheerful, kind of a upbeat life. I recently read an article that actually, um, sub, you know, kind of s- substantiates my theory. This this article was about people who are late all the time. And actually, you know what? I don't know what you're going to think because I know that's one of your pet peeves to people who are late to appointments all the time. Yes. But it actually said that people who are late all the time are each are optimists because they are they think that life is going to work out for them. They're not going to get stuck at red lights. They're not going to be in traffic. They're going to be able to make it. They're optimistic. Whereas people who are on time or early are pessimistic because they think that things are going to come their way. Obstacles are going to come their way. And therefore they need to leave earlier. So I'm a pessimist then. Oh my God, I'm learning so much about myself. So that's why, and I remember I was like, that's exactly me. I expect traffic all the time. That's why I'm always early to everything because I'm like, I'm going to get lost or I'm going to be stuck in traffic or I'm going to get stuck (laughs) behind a very, very slow person driving to the church office for a morning service. Like I'm I'm definitely going to get stuck somewhere. So therefore I leave early because I'm a pessimist. If I were an optimist, I would expect that things will work out my way. Interesting. You know, so maybe I should have said Sua. That's why we get along so well because we're both we're pessimists. We're both pessimists. <laughs> but Sua, Sua, so can I just ask you this then? Do you also have low expectations of God then? What do you mean? So that God doesn't disappoint you? I don't know. Like, do you have low expectations of God? So that, because like, so one could, because mm. I, I know a lot of people that wrestle with God in so yeah, many ways, yeah. right? Yeah, And part of that is because he doesn't meet their expectations. And, you know, could this also be something that you have kind of, you know, that's kind of leaked into your how you see God and your relationship with God also that you don't really have much expectations from God so that you don't get disappointed in him? You know, I think you might be onto something because I remember we did a bunch. I feel like we did at least two episodes um, that were kind of playing with the whole idea of like disappointment with God or um, being angry yeah. at God or, you know, like what what was it like the deserts of our faith or something like that. Um, and I, I did say that I was very rarely disappointed with God. Yeah. Um, but I think some of that has to do with, like I said, it's, I think a lot of it is the way I was formed from the circumstances of my life. In addition to the fact that my job right out of school was working with children who were dying. Yeah. Um, Like 70% of my patients were, were dying of cancer and under the age of 15. And then I ended up working in hospital again, where like people were dying of like heart failure. And so I think my sense of what is quote unquote fair in life is very different. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So like if yeah. something terrible yeah. happened to my life, it would be very upsetting, but I don't mm. think I would say, why me? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be like Job mm-hmm. and get like all of these like horrible things happening to me to see what actually happens. But I don't think my my impression would be like, why me? Because I, yeah. I always feel like it could just be me. It could be me. Like at any point, right. like, horrible things could happen to me. That's my overall mm. worldview. I mean, do you not feel that way? Like, have you, are you very like, why me if something happens to you? No, no, I don't. Um, I try to just kind of understand the brokenness in the world in which we live in. Um, 
But yeah, you know, I'm just trying to think, Sue. Like, you're just really rattling my cage right now because I'm just thinking, like, maybe I am a pessimist as well because I don't get too disappointed in people. And I think part of the reason why I thought that was just because, you know, like as a pastor for 20 years, like I've heard everything. Mm -hmm. I've heard like the brokenness of humanity in its worst possible form. Like I've just seen it. And so like, I'm just not that shocked anymore, you know, and stuff. And I have a deep understanding, you know, of folks, you know, and stuff and just our brokenness. And plus I'm I'm a very broken person myself. So I'm just like, well, who am I like to like really look down on somebody or be upset at somebody when I'm, I'm also pretty messed up myself. So I guess I'm kind of into that, but now you're just now you're just like rattling my 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 cage. But why did like, you think you were an optimist? Like, give me give me an example of why you would have thought you, like so what's something that you feel like would make you think, oh, I'm an optimist? Because I'm I'm usually upbeat all the time, and and um you know I mean I'm I just feel like I have more of like the joy of the Lord in me, and like because I always think like big naturally, like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. growth and stuff like yeah. that's just kind of how i'm wired like i always see that like i don't just think like oh no it's not gonna what happens if it doesn't work? like i don't think like that you know i don't think like you know oh my god like wait a minute my daughter's you know tuition bill is gonna happen in january and we have like nothing in the bank like how am i gonna you know how are we gonna be able to pay a like a fifteen thousand dollar college tuition or you know room and board mm-hmm. you know in for the next few like i could be like terrified but i was like gotta take care of it like we'll figure it out like we've been through this like this i've been through this many times now with christina and god always found a way to provide for us so we'll just figure it out you know kind of a thing so yeah so like i just i don't i don't see myself as like a pessimist but i am because i grew up in a pessimistic home my mother is a pessimist my father was a was a pessimist so like i could see like yeah you know like that's that's definitely gotta be part of my makeup as well so do you think that maybe we're just like super holy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> dang girl no, no no i'm joking no but the reason why i say that i'm, I'm joking i'm jo- maybe you're holy yes. i'm not super holy no, um, no, no. no no the reason why i say that is because you know it, it actually perfectly ties in with this whole like weak pastor weak church weak christian mentality is like you know I think there's a difference in being pessimistic and not having mm-hmm. expectations of the world versus yeah. knowing that god like will provide like i feel like those are two yeah. different things so for example yeah. when you say do i have expectations of god that are low um i would say yes in the sense that i don't expect god to give me health wealth prosperity i don't expect yeah. those yeah. things from god like i you know i don't yeah. say like but i do i do know what god already has given me and what mm. has what god has promised me and i think those are different things like for example when you say um you know like you know god will provide because in the past you can look and say god has been faithful and god has always provided i don't really know if that's being like optimistic i think that's more you um remembering the ways god has provided for you and Mm -hmm. god has been faithful Mm -hmm. to you like that's a Mm -hmm. different thing from being optimistic optimistic is usually more a sense of your feeling or like the way you generally kind of are born like it's something that you think of um as like a part of your personality versus you're basing this on like actual events that have transpired mm-hmm. in your life and so that i feel like that's different i i base it yeah. more on like if if something really bad happens to you is your reaction like of course it could have happened to me or is your reaction i cannot believe this has happened to me like i feel like that's kind of for me more of a gauge of like whether you're oh, optimist okay. or pessimist you know, so a pessimist would be like, I can't believe this happened to me. No, a pessimist would be like, yeah, of course, this happened to me. 
Like, yep. Like if that, if like a person oh, disappoints that, you me. in a friendship, it's that's like, me. yeah, well, you know, th that's expected that's because me. people are just people versus an optimist is like, I cannot believe this person has just done this to me. How could they do this to me? Oh. And they're shocked. Like they're shocked. <laughs> do you know what See, I mean? Well, I'm shocked right now because my mind is blown. I'm a pessimist because I always say, of course, this can happen to me. I'm actually, I thought I've been an optimist my entire life. I'm a pessimist. Okay, but what about when you're like driving and you're stuck in traffic? Do you think, I cannot believe this is happening to me? Like, how could this happen to me? Or do you think, of course, I'm stuck in traffic? Hmm. See, I feel like it's different. I think, more, I think it's more like, I can't believe this is happening to me. Okay, so maybe it's traffic. different depending on I what... hate it with a passion. Okay. I hate traffic with a passion. Let me think of a different... Um, yeah. I'm trying to... Because yeah, see, it's so hard. It's so hard when you are holy and have the spirit of God because then you know <laughs> the, the tasks that God has given you, so God so will funny. complete. So you know, like you're depending like, on God to provide. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you yeah, might yeah. just be holy. Like, I, you know, I no, don't know. No. Like, But I just want the world to know okay. that I am... I can, I'm wow. a very, very happy, this upbeat is, person. This is an... Excellent question. Excellent question. Wait, so you know what? Is that you should it? start coming that's up with That's yours questions. too? You don't have one? No, 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 different? no. I have I have some. Not as deep as, as this, but th this is, you know, like, I love it when I can become more aware of myself, self-aware. And I, I realize, again, I cannot be self-aware by me just trying to figure out, like, who I am. Like, other people help me you know, to kind of figure out who I am and help me grow in self-awareness. And this has been one of those moments. Like, I think, okay, you yeah, know I'm what? A, I think to pessimist. sum it up, I would say, no, no, no. I wouldn't say you're an autumn. I would say, based on what I know, I think you're a re relationally, I think you're a pessimist. Yes. Um, And that probably is due to your upbringing, but also your profession where you have mm. seen like, yes the brokenness of people mm -hmm. to the max degree. But I yeah. also think that you're an optimist in the sense that you're a visionary. And I, but I think it's, you know, maybe Peter, when he started the church plant, was an optimist in the sense of like the way the world views it, because you yeah. were like, I can do this. I can make my church the biggest mega church. I can do this. That is optimism. That is, that's yeah. delusion yeah. and optimism. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's delusion and optimism. I mean, it's, go girl. they kind of go together, yeah. right? Like a yeah, lot of yeah, times yeah, they kind yeah, of go yeah, hand yeah, in yeah, hand. Yeah. But I think the way you have optimism now is much more of like what God has called me to do, God will do. So I yeah. think it's a very different type of like optimism. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's just very yeah, holy. Yeah. Nope. Very holy. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. You expect from God what God you should expect from God and you expect from people what you should expect from people. And it's those are two very different things. Amen. All right. I'll take All right. it. I'll take All it. Right. All right. So here, here are the two things. Now, yeah. I think you know this about me, Sue. Is it that because... people think you're athletic, but you're not? <laughs> no, but that's I think a lot of people know that. So that's just no, not like... But, you know, I heard you are athletic. Can I just say something about what, that? What 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 mean? What, what does it? Like, what does that mean? Like, no, who told so, you I was athletic? I, I think that because so for so long, you would talk about how you're not athletic. Like, you're, you know, yeah. people would say you're like a waste of height. And like, it was very yeah. upsetting because when you yeah. were growing up and then, yeah. you know, how Christian is very athletic and you would always be yes. like, oh, he got that from my father-in-law. Like, he didn't get that from yeah. me. Like, this is what you always yeah. say. And you know what? Yeah. That's very possible. Like, I don't know what your yeah. family is like, yeah. but I do remember there was one time we were at a conference maybe i don't know i think it was with steve bank or somebody maybe rich we were with somebody and you were doing your morning workout in the hotel gym and this particular person i don't remember who it was turned to me and said you know pp is a freaking beast that's what he said to me and i said what are you working out 
And then he said, no, like when he does like his workouts, like he's such a beast. Beast, not like the beast, like Satan beast. This is like beast, like you're like powerful. And I feel like you're not. Yeah, see, but this that's is, not athleticism. That's just working out. It's conditioning and stuff di- like no, that. But that's like, di- I'm an I endurance think, person. But why would you separate those out? Being fit means that you are athletic. Like this is one of those things that I recently learned from a podcast. People are like, when they say athlete, they automatically think like team sports or like um, coordination, like these things. But there's different variations of athleticism. And, you know, I feel like maybe you're not giving yourself enough credit, you know. So I would say that I'm I'm definitely not good in the hand-eye coordination type stuff. Uh, but I'm I'm actually pretty good in any endurance type stuff. Yeah, so, so that's, that's being an athlete. You know, Taylor Taylor does say he said he said if my parents invested in me in some kind of a sport, he like he's like I really think you could have been really good at something. You know, like one of one of a sport in particular. So I was like, you know what, I think so too because I, I I have because because he said you. You know, to be athletic, also you need to have a competitive spirit because you have a very competitive spirit. And I'm like, no, I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. <laughs> very one. competitive. Yeah. yeah but yeah. what are your mis- What are your ideas? Okay, so here, here, here are my things. All right, so one thing is this, and I think you know this about me, but um, I don't know if the audience knows this about me because everyone knows I love sports, but I hate, I loathe sometimes, actually most times, going to a sporting event. I, I think I it. knew that about you, but yeah, I, most people don't. I hate it. You know, what so do you like, hate about it? I just I don't like being around all those people. I don't. I just don't like being someplace so loud, and then traffic on the way home, and <laughs> like it there just it the traffic. Yeah, it's just I don't like any of it. You know, so like if I go, it's always always a sacrifice, right? So I'll go because my son wants to go. Like I'll and I'll I'll do this. You know, like I, I'm not the type of person like, oh no, I, I would much rather sit at home and watch a sporting event on television. Like it's just the best seats in the house. Like it's just to me, it's like I, I prefer that over going to any other place. Even concerts and stuff like that. I don't I'd rather watch a concert on Netflix. Do you, you know, or hate something like that. um going to Christians games? No, that I don't mind because nobody's there. <laughs> it's like ten people, man. Ten people. You know what? There. I have it's a theory. Packed. I have a theory about this. Do you want to hear my theory? What? What's your theory? My hypothesis, an educated guess. Okay, what's your hypothesis? Um, are, you, are you helping me to grow in self-awareness again? Too much is not good in one no, day. No, no, so no, I, no. No, this is literally, right. and this is not like, like let's make Pastor Peter seem real holy day, but right. I love going to concerts. Um, I don't like the traffic there and like the crowds, but yeah. I do enjoy, like once I'm there, like yeah. I really enjoy my experience. Um yeah. Sporting events, I don't really go to very many sporting events, but like this goes back to that whole idea that I brought up like last, maybe two seasons ago. Remember the idea of collective effervescence? Do you remember? I love that word. Okay. So effervescence. The whole thing about collective effervescence is that when a bunch of people are physically in one space together doing the same thing, there is this physical experience that happens where like you get mm. chills and you're like you ha- there's this like something that happens that yeah, like, yeah, can't yeah, be yeah. explained um yeah. and it's remember when we were like it's because i think it's because we were created to physically be with each other worshiping one thing like we were yeah. created to physically yeah. worship god together and that's why yeah, this yeah. 
like indescribable things happen happens. Yeah. I feel like the reason why is because you're a pastor and you do this, you're you're doing collective effervescence all the time. And so <laughs> your quota for collective effervescence has like maxed out. And you yeah. are actually doing the real purpose of collective effervescence, which is worshiping God with other people. Okay. So the other types of collective effervescence don't quite cut it anymore. That's my theory. That's my all theory. right. Well, listen, uh, I don't I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I tell you, like my friend sent me this uh, text message yesterday. And he's like, hey, listen, I got three or four or five tickets to the Giants game. My friend does. He wants to get rid of it. It's like really great season. I, I don't even know who they're playing, but it's like, do you, you want to go? And I just responded like, hell no. Hell no. I would not want to go to a Giants game. So anyway, especially after how bad they're doing. So well, anyway, but, it's very uh, difficult to watch in the stadium. I remember the first football yeah. game I went to it was and a it's Giants so cold game. in the Meadowlands I, I mean it's them, so I said, cold there where is like the blue line like how come they're not showing us like the yard the yeah, blue the, the line yellow where line the next for first down. down yeah and John's like that that's only on TV on television <laughs> that's why you can't beat the television experience and you have expert commentary in the process it's just like <laughs> I love that I love it all right so and that's, you might see Taylor Swift one. if you go in real person but whatever no 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 <laughs> I saw you too and I said, this is my first and last concert ever. I will never go to a concert ever. Okay, what's again. your you second think... one? Oh, my second one is this. Uh, people think I'm a natural communicator. I am not. Uh, I am not a natural communicator. No, this is what I say. That. No, no, no. Absolutely not. I do not have the gift to communicate. All right. I know that 100%. Right. So this is what I tell people. I said, I am not a natural communicator. Like that's not why I, I preach. I was like, I'm not, I'm not gifted like that. Cause I know people that are very gifted at speaking. Like my good friend Eugene Cho, he is such a he's such an orator. I mean, the guy can get up anywhere and just speak. He's got such a gift to speak. I think Michael Carrion is like that. He just you he can go anywhere and he just speaks and it's just powerful. You know, he just has a natural gift. That is not me. I don't have a natural gift to communicate. But what I do tell people is this. I am not a natural communicator, but I'm I'm anointed. That's it. But oh. I can only, I'm only anointed when I preach about God. It Like I can go up and talk about Zamele, whatever. And it's like, sometimes it's like a, it's like a train wreck. That's I'm like, oh so my God, interesting. I, I really messed that up so much. And I was like, Yep, I'm just not a natural communicator. And Sue, you remember when I used to do Wait, those? That's so weird. Those stuff. I had to take like 10, 15 takes because I just cannot speak. Like I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. My mind is, so is blown hard. right now. No, so I told people I'm not a natural communicator, but I'm anointed. That's it. God anoints me to preach, and that's it. But outside of that, preaching, I am not a gifted communicator. I cannot hold a crowd. You know, people would want don't want to hear me speak really, and I mess up a lot of times. So I'm just that's it, that's it. So I'm just not a natural communicator. What about, but why are we doing this podcast then? Well, this is more like talking, and this like but you this and is I. Communicating. Like, this is not public speaking. Like this, I don't consider this to be public speaking. But when public speaking, oh my god, that is not my thing. I'm not a gifted communicator in that way. And then, and I admire those who really have that gift, where they just can get up and they can just speak. And they sound so super articulate. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. So for me, it's that's 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 the thing. I'm not a natural communicator, but wait, hold, that's I'm that's crazy. God's I'm trying to, to think about: Have I ever watched you do a public do public speaking that was not a sermon? And I feel like I have. I mean, like you you still lead meetings and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like meetings, like you that's that. little, but that's not public speaking, you know, and stuff. So like, if you had me speak 
I don't know, somebody said, Hey, why don't you come and, 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 you know, and speak to like, speak to these like high school kids for like, whatever, like on something like I'd be terrified. I'm really like, I can't speak about Jesus. Oh my God. This is going to be a difficult. Like, so you can only speak one. about, you can only bring the good news in a articulate yeah. way. You can't do anything else. No, I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm a preacher, an anointed preacher. You know, I use that word lightly anointed because I feel like that's the only reason why I can get up and speak, but I'm not a gifted communicator. I am not a gifted communicator. I mean, I got a D, I got a D, a D plus. Oh no, no I think I got a C minus in communications in my college when yeah, I, when I, I took it. I don't think that's like a good like reflection it's, of how. It was not good. And man, yeah. I, just, I, mean, I don't I'll, know I'll because you. sometimes you say that um you when you argue with Jenny you have some good one-liners I mean they get you in trouble but they're good one-liners and I kind of feel like that points to the fact that you can like because you know okay maybe what you mean is I, I don't know I still don't believe that you're not a gifted communicator and the reason why I say that is because maybe it's because you're comparing yourself to like like um certain other types of people but if you compare yourself uh -huh. to like the baseline communicator, um, okay. I feel like you probably are gifted more than the average. Like maybe it's because you're comparing yourself to like, like people who are exceptionally good yeah. at communicating. Yeah. But if you compare yourself to the average person, average, like, I just can't imagine you're not a, at least above average. So let's say I think I'm a above average communicator, but I'm not like. An excellent communicator. But when you Let's, preach, we'll you become an excellent communicator. Yeah, because I feel like the spirit's speaking through mm. me more, and like that's like a different thing. You know, it's a whole different, interesting, different thing. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's that's something that I think people interesting. Will know yeah, that was All a right. that was a fantastic question, and so okay. we got to. I mean, it, that was almost thirty minutes, but you have like fifteen we gotta, minutes. We got to talk, talk about, about the topic. Great. Yeah, we got to talk about our topic. The topic that we want to talk about is um, hiring and firing staff members. <laughs> And that's why I'm like a little, I'm a little ambivalent to doing this. I'm not sure because, uh, you know, I just, I've made so many mistakes in this. And if you're a pastor and you're listening, I, I, I guarantee you, and you've been doing this for a while and you, you have, you know, multi-staff in your church, I, I think the greatest mistakes we make actually is hiring. And then the greatest mistake is that we end up hiring the wrong people. And then the greatest mistake we make after that is that we don't fire them quick enough. We just hold on to them longer and longer and they end up really you know hurting your church or organization and then you in the process and so I, I, we want to kind of dedicate an episode on that a little bit and maybe this can kind of help you in this process of of as you're thinking this through because if you're a minister or maybe you're a manager at your workplace i think this can all kind of you know kind of be applicable to any any sort of situation you might find yourself in today if you're a leader i think one of the hardest things to do is hire the right people and also fire the wrong people that you hired. Um, I, it's it's so difficult, and uh, and we've made some real bad mistakes. I've made some really bad mistakes, and as a result of it, I have hurt people in the process, and I've really hurt myself in the process. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about, you know. In it, and so you, I know you don't, you 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 didn't really have any experience in hiring people. Have you ever fired anyone? Have you ever hired or fired anyone when you were at the hospital? No. I was way too low no. level to do any of that. Um, sometimes I would like to fire my children, but um, I don't think it's legal. <laughs> oh, your husband? Yeah. We're not bringing down the yeah. water cups. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I don't have, I know, I have never in my life ever had the power to hire or fire. Okay. So 
have you ever been fired? No. Like, like to say you worked at like an ice cream store or whatever. Have you ever been fired ever? No. No. Who would okay. fire me? I'm excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I would Guys, never if you steal. Saw her face, like I would, you know, if I you would... saw if you saw her face, it you was know, hilarious. She had this look of disgust. Who would fire me? I'm excellent. No, listen. Good. I'm not first of all, remember I'm a pessimist, right? Yes. So yes. I would never seek out a job that I think is above my grade. Like I, mm. I usually do only would do jobs that I know I can do well. Yeah. Um, but also like I mean, I will say, you know what? Like you say, I can't take compliments, but I'll tell you something really great about myself. Yeah, I work pretty hard. Like I have yes. a really solid yes, you do. work ethic, and yes, I get very, very unhappy with people who don't do, like, don't strive yeah. for excellence. I will say that. Yes. So no, I have never so, gotten so, fired. Oh, right, so let me ask you another question because you served with me for five years. Have I ever hired somebody where you're like, why did he hire this person? Yes. Have I ever, but... <laughs> okay. Have I ever done that? Okay. That's one. And the second mm -hmm. question is this Have I ever done this where you're saying, How come PP is not firing this person? What's taking him so long? Mm, you know, that's a good one. Um, yeah. I don't know. During my time there, I don't think I thought that. And, okay. you know, but you know what? But you definitely I, thought that. But, but I hired looking the wrong back on it now, like look. Yeah. So, but looking back, because you know what it is, it's like I think people have to understand. Like our listeners have to understand. Like the culture of Metro um, changed a lot during my five years there. So when I yeah. first started there, we had like non the staff was very small. Um, very I think small. I was like maybe the third full time hire. Yeah of the entire office yeah. by the time I left, it was significantly bigger. And it, yeah. so when I first started at Metro, it was functioning a lot like a church plant. And then by the yeah. time I left, there was like an actual staff to refer to. And there we had like um, an executive pastor, like we, there were a lot of other things in place. Yeah. Um, and so I think it, it never quite occurred to me that we would fire somebody and operate like an actual like organization or business, because in my mind, when I started, it, it was always like a church plan. It was just different. It was like family. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah, looking yeah, back yeah, on yeah. it, I will say, yeah. and man, I sound like such a jerk saying this, but there's definitely at least more than one people that I was like, mm, if I were in a secular organization this yeah. person slash these people would have definitely been terminated who are they say their names say no, their I names peter on i'm just kidding <laughs> imagine i said it you'd have to it's, edit it it's, out well so listen i i just really think um this is hard and there's there's really no good way um, of 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 doing this perfectly because I think if you go in ministry and you start off like as a church plant, you're the only person working there and getting paid, you know, and things like that. And then your hope is to grow the church enough where you can actually start having a multi staff. And and in that process, I think though that we you know we make our biggest or worst choices in the staff hires. And we're gonna and 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 no matter what, like you can read books on the types of people you should hire, all that kind of stuff. No matter what, I think uh, every pastor will make bad hires. No matter what, it's mm. it's just impossible to uh, to to avoid that, to not avoid that, uh, to avoid that. So you will make a bad hire, and it's just the learning process. And so much of it is that, like, this is probably part of my eternal optimism. 
Um, I think for me, I've made a, a real bad um, mistake if I really connected with somebody, you know, and I've heard this before. Steve has told me this. He said, if you, if somebody has opened up to you, Peter, and really shared their brokenness with you, you have a tendency to just love them and you just hire them, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, damn, I was like, wow, that's being really honest. But you know what? I think you're right there, you know, and stuff. And so I think, you know, that there's, there's mistakes there. And I think for me, um, it sounds very abstract. Um, like hiring someone, it, it, it's more than just your feeling, but it's got to be like this, like uh, like a gut feeling that 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 goes more than just saying, "Well, this person's gonna work out." Like a lot of, I'll be honest, a lot of times, I've you know when I felt like a real strong gut feeling, saying, "I think this is gonna work out." Like Sua, you were a real strong gut feeling. I was like, "I think it's gonna work out." Sua is gonna do a great job with this. Like that was a gut feeling, and it worked out. But not, it doesn't work out all the time. I, I'll say that, right? And all I will say is that sometimes I've, I've the biggest bat, the worst hires I've made was when I didn't have a good gut feeling about it, but I still hired them. Maybe because they had competency, they had a competency that I really liked and I thought they could do this. But what I realized was that they might have some competency. They don't have the character nor the chemistry with other people. And I, I, I always like, you know, this is the three C's, you know, that unfortunately it's, it's great principle. Um, you know, Bill Hybels wrote about in, in his book, Courageous Bill Leadership. Bill Hybels is it's now chemistry. the name that cannot be said. I know, I know, I know. But you know what? He's taught some good stuff. Chemistry, competence, and character, right? Every staff hire has to have those three. They have not only competent, but can they have good chemistry? And can they, and do they have character? Do they have integrity as a person? I think those are three really, really important things. But so making a bad hire is one thing. But the other thing that I think I've made a lot of mistakes in is that I didn't let go of the people that were, that should have been let go. And I think that's the hardest thing. Like for me, the thing that I struggled with the most was, but this is a church. Like, you know what? Like what's going to happen to their families? What's going to happen if I let them go? Like, how's that going to like impact them and stuff? And I think at the end of the day, um, good leaders and oh, man, I got I gotta be careful with what I say. Good leadership honestly, is often based upon how quickly you can fire somebody. I, I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Off. Yeah. Yeah. So like, listen, like, you know, for me, the reason why I couldn't fire somebody quick enough was because I'm a people pleaser. Like I want everyone to like me. And, and I didn't want, you know, to hurt somebody. Like that was a big thing. Like I didn't want to hurt and disappoint somebody. And so a lot of times I kind of gave people like more than, you know, three or four or five chances i'm just like you know what let's just see let's see what happens let's see what happens and in the process just hurting people all along in the church and they're not doing well not only are they not are they struggling in your ministry or angry at the people don't like them and uh and they're hurting people in the process and i didn't take a quick enough step to say okay you know what i'm gonna have to let you go and I always try to just lean again. I like, kind of like this could be one of my my issues that I'm just like, we're all broken people. Like we all make mistakes so we can kind of learn from it. And uh, I think what I've learned over the years, at least for myself, if you're like a people pleaser like me, uh, a good gauge of our leadership can be summed up in how is our ability to let go of somebody when it really is time to let go? Because most times I found, at least for me, I've I've made the mistake of actually holding on to somebody way too long then I really needed to, and I need to let them go sooner than I, than uh, than than waiting so much and waiting later. And I think that's really hard. I think everyone struggles with it. everyone struggles uh, with firing people. I think hiring, yeah, we, we struggle with hiring the wrong people sometimes, and that's just I think that's more of a, a skill set and art form. 
that you're going to learn over the years as you are in leadership and as you hire people, you're going to learn who are going to be the right people that work for the team and who are not. And that's sort of like an art form. So you're going to make mistakes. That's a necessary thing. We're going to always hire the wrong people. That always happens. Now, you want to limit that. You don't want to always hire the wrong people. You want to just maybe hire wrong people like once in a while rather than always. But what happens eventually, I think with most leaders, they really struggle with the letting go part. And I think that's really hard, especially as a pastor, to think about letting somebody go, letting a pastor go, letting an employee in the church go. It's really difficult. And we really struggle with that. And I'm just saying that it's really, you know, it's important that when you know this is not going to work out, when you know it's really not going to work out and you have repeatedly confronted the person, you've actually maybe even put them on a plan to get better and, and they repeatedly fail, you got to let them go. They just have to, you got to let them go. Uh, you can't keep dragging it and it's only going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your leadership. The people on your staff are going to lose respect for you because you're not taking care of this soon enough. People in the church will lose respect for you as a leader as well because they're saying, why isn't this person taking care of us? And I think that's the hardest part. So anyway, that's just uh, just some thoughts that I have. But any any thoughts that you have, Sua, as you're listening I, to you me? Know, I, it's interesting because I remember, um, I forgot who I was talking to. I was talking to one of the pastors might have been Pastor Daniel Hill, but they said, I, I don't want to misquote anyone. I feel like I was told that a lot of senior pastors have like this radar on all the time, wherever they go, yeah. and they're constantly yeah. looking for new people to recruit. It's like something yes. that you don't really turn off. And so when you meet yes. somebody that's really, yes, yes. really great, yeah. you immediately yeah. think, where can I put this person on my staff and invite them to be part of our team? Yes, like it's something exactly. that like is constantly 100%. running around, 100%. which yeah. I think is amazing because I think that's, you know, it's being able to see a certain vision and picture yeah. Um, yeah. an enrichment on your team. But simultaneously, yeah. if you're constantly kind of in that lookout mode, then you obviously will sometimes hire the wrong persons. Like exactly. this is just kind of like the downfall of it. I do yeah. think it's a, it's funny. I don't think it just happens in church because I mean, hopefully I'm not going to get in trouble for saying this, but uh, when John was working at the hospital in New Jersey, um, and then he did his, he left his residency in New Jersey and he went to Charlotte to do his fellowship and he was looking for his like full-time jobs. They had said to him in his previous job, you know, we don't have a position for you, but you know what? I think we're going to try to make one for you because we really want mm. you to be part of our team. Um, and so I, I don't, I think that is a good strategy like to do if you really know somebody's a good fit and they're going to be adding um, value to your company yeah. or to your organization or to your church. Like, obviously that is a good strategy to bring them like on board. I will say one thing about, um, and tell me if you disagree with this. One thing that was probably really difficult for the beginning of Metro's hiring was, and please tell me if you disagree. I think some of it was like, there was just way too much power for you. Like mm -hmm. you had the ability to hire and mm -hmm. then all the firing was also on you. Yeah. And I think yeah. it was very known that if PP likes you, he will fire you. And if you get fired, probably PP didn't like you. It was like a very individual mm -hmm. kind of system versus like now I think it's a lot more team oriented. So if you hire someone, the entire onus of that person succeeding or failing is not on you. Right. It's yeah. there was there was a team that collaborated and interviewed and talked about it. And then if somebody is being terminated, once again, it's not because PP didn't like this person. It's not like right. it, it, right. I feel like it diffuses it out from the personal to more of like a team. Yeah. And I think that's such a healthier yeah. way of doing it, because at the end of the day, it's way too much power and pressure for one person to do the hiring and firing. You know what I mean? 
No, absolutely. And I think, you know, if you're a solo pastor, like I was a solo pastor for a while, like it, it all kind of falls on you no matter what. And so you don't have the luxury to kind of, you know, have others help you in the process. And so I, I empathize with you in that because it's not easy uh, uh, for you to go get go and, and hire people and then you're going to have to fire them and things like that. So I totally understand that. I think when you, you were around Sue, especially in the beginning, yeah, and even towards the end, I still had quite a bit of power of who I brought in and who I let go. And, uh, and it was, it was, it was, it was fun to hire people, but it's never fun to let people go. And, uh, and for me at this point now, just if I'm going to be very honest, um, I, 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 of course I have the final say in who joins staff and who doesn't, but, you know, Steve and I had a good talk and Steve's our executive pastor at our church. And he basically said, you know, Peter, I really think like I should interview the person first before you even get to talk to them. Um, and I got to make sure that they pass, you know, uh, these checkpoints for our church and our church staff and the culture of our staff. And if they don't pass that, then you shouldn't even meet them. And I'm like, I, I think that's fantastic. And I said, you know what, Steve, I'll even do one better than that. I said to him, I said, I, I will going forward. I think I said this in the podcast, uh, when he was on last time, I said, um, even if I want to hire somebody, I won't even like consider the position until they pass your interview first. And I feel like now the, the onboarding process is so much better at Metro than it ever has been because we have a team that's part of the hiring process as opposed to just me. And, uh, and you know, uh, he, you know, he just started his position, uh, you know, in earlier this year. So, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten a chance to fire anyone yet, but, uh, you know, I, and, and I think the firing is also going to be a team effort. Whereas before him, it was still just me. I was doing most of, I was doing all of that and it's really difficult. And so, yeah. So, you know, I guess one of the things I can say, and maybe you can kind of shed some light into this, Sua, like let's stop talking about the higher part. Cause I think the hiring is again, like we can share with you, here's the stuff you got to do and probably it'll go in one year and out the other. And I've learned over the years, cause I've had so many people tell me, you know, like, here's what you should do and stuff like that. And then I just realized at the end of the day, like, you're going to make your mistakes. Just make sure you learn from it. Right. And it's like an art form. You're going to learn from it. And the more people you can evolve in the process is important as well. Um, you know, in that hiring process, I think is, is, is a good thing. But I think we need to talk about how do you let people go? Like, how do we let people go well? Because there is ways in how you let people go and it's not done well at all. And it's really painful. And then there are ways in how you can let somebody go and do it the best way possible. It never feels good. It never feels good when you have to let somebody go. They will never be like, well, thank you. It will always hurt. But how do we lessen the blow and how do we do it with the level of character and integrity that I think honors God and honors the church at the end of the day? That's an important question, I think, to try to answer on this podcast, on this episode before we go. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't know. So do you have any thoughts about that before I kind of give some of my thoughts on it? But like, do you have any thoughts about, you know, um, how do you, what, what do you think would be the best way to let somebody go? I mean, it's kind of funny though, because, um, being a pastor, it's, um, fire, like the whole process or decision-making of like, terminating or letting somebody go is like so antithetical to like the ministry of the pastor so yeah, if yeah. i see why it's so such um like a problem for a pastor to have to like fire somebody because the whole office of the pastor like we really value like perseverance and tenacity and like not giving up on people because all people yeah. are broken and we want to never give up on people because jesus doesn't give up on you which yeah, obviously yeah. is all true in the pastoral sense but then when you try to like 
transition that into like a leader in a church staff, it doesn't work yeah. anymore. Yeah. And I do think I do have a lot of like compassion for pastors and leaders who have difficulty doing that because it's really hard to like switch back and forth from like one like one heart mindset to like another one, yeah. you know, because on yeah. one hand, as a pastor, you don't want to give up on people. You want to believe that as yeah. long as the spirit of God is working and then they will mature and they will grow and they will transform. Like that is literally the, it used to be the vision statement of Metro, right? Like transformation. So you kind of yeah. want to say like, if God can transform you, why do we need to fire them? Like God yeah. will bring them exactly to them to whatever. Like I, I see like that, that like default mindset that you want to like fall back on. Um, but, you know, again, I speak as an outsider because I've never been able to fire anybody as much as I wanted to uh, in my family. I think you'd be really good at firing somebody. No, I don't think so. No, I think you'd be pretty good. Why at... would, Why do you think I'd be good at firing someone? Because you're just, I think in some ways you can help them feel somewhat like decent about it rather than feeling them feeling horrible about themselves before they walk out of the door. So No, I mean, do, do I have any like actual... um I think it's like in any relationship though, I think the moment you see the red flag, like, you know, if you weren't able to see it before hire, it's kind of like the same thing as relationships, right? Like, you know, remember when we did that whole episode on um, sex and, you know, I had said that when you sleep with somebody, unfortunately, the way I see it is you keep giving the person the benefit of the doubt and, Mm. And then the relationship continues to get worse and worse and yeah. it starts becoming more and more toxic, but you just yeah. keep giving them more and more passes and more benefits of the doubt because you want it to work out so badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you had just ended it as soon as you saw the red flag, there would have been a lot, a lot less damage and yeah. baggage yeah. to deal with. And it's probably, I mean, wouldn't you say it's the same thing in hiring? Like, um, also, I don't want to like say this but obviously i'm sure with all with you the whole process you are praying about it <laughs> like you're being prayerful about it and not just being like yeah. oh my gut is telling me to fire and my gut is telling me to hire you know whatever like that's obviously like an obvious part that maybe we need to say yeah. in case not super obvious to people um but yeah i mean wouldn't you say like as you said like the times when it happened it was because you ke- you kept hoping that it would change and you yeah. kept letting it be and it was festering. And and I think that's the biggest problem is that um, you know, uh, you know, they're they're paid staff. So, you know, like if you're always kind of holding your breath, hoping that maybe they're gonna change, even if you've tried to get them to do counseling and different things like that, um, and it's still not working out, like they're just not gonna change and you're gonna have to just let them go. And all I would say is this I think like you should have some level of it shouldn't just be you coming up with that decision. Like, even though I was the only one on staff firing people, I still had an elder board that basically gave me the stamp of approval of saying, you know what? Okay. Yeah. You can let this person go, you know, and things like that. And I think it's always important to have a consensus about letting somebody go. And when you do that, my thing is this, I would just say, be generous in terms of like, you know, no company will give, you know, uh, somebody severance, when they get fired, they give severance when they get laid off, but not when they get fired for being incompetent at doing something. But I think in the church, I think it would be good um, to offer some level of a severance, no matter what it is. I mean, this it could be either pay, it could be you know, uh, letting their benefit, like paying their benefits for a certain amount of time, so that you know their families are covered and things like that. But I just think as a church, it would be good. It would be really good 
to make sure that there is some level of generosity, uh, even if you have to part ways with somebody in the church that you would help them in that process. Um, I think that would be good uh, to do. And we always try to do that at Metro uh, when we have to let somebody go um, because, uh, you know, they're not doing well. I mean, what they're what, what we expect of them, we try to, you know, give them some level of generosity and give them a severance pay or, you know, pay out their benefits or something like that for a certain amount of time, just so that they can be supported, you know, that way. So I would say that's probably the, the one important thing to do um, when you when you want to let somebody go that you try to be generous about it. But I think, honestly, the quicker you do it, the better it's going to be. And, uh, you know, my, one of my mentors said, Peter, this, just remember this, don't ever forget it. You got to be slow to hire somebody, but you got to be quick to fire. Now, I don't, I still don't know if I fully agree with that, but what I don't you think, agree with? well, it's just, I mean, sometimes expediency of firing somebody, like sometimes like, well, you know what, like, just let's hold your horses, you know, like, let's see, you know, maybe the person can grow and, and, uh, and get better. And that's unfortunately, I think a flaw of mine, you know, just kind of being that optimistic part of saying you know but what you this person are an optimist when it comes yeah to right so but for me you know it's like well let's see what happens you know let's just continue if we can pour into somebody maybe they can change but you know what haven't do haven't been doing this for two decades now i realize that there is a lot of wisdom to that slow to hire and quick to fire majority of the times it just never worked out no matter how much i tried and just it's better just to let go and do it sooner than wait and and and, and do it later and if you can't fire someone because you know, because you're afraid to disappoint them, then it's really about you and your lack of ability to go out and do this. But that's part of you growing as a leader um, is being able to hire somebody and also being able to say, you know what, this is not going to work. I'm going to need you to move on. So I think that's going to be really important. So uh, that's that's huge. That's huge on my on, on on the things that I've learned over the years. Now, there's something else I want to talk about, and this might be helpful for pastors. And again, some of our audience are going to be like, why are you guys talking about this? But I think this is important, especially for church leaders, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I've learned so much over the last couple of years when somebody comes out, like a member comes out and says, you know, they've been sexually assaulted by a pastor or sexually assaulted by a staff member. Uh, that I just want to encourage any church leader, any elder, deacon, especially pastor, if anyone in your church comes out and says that, you have to take that seriously. You cannot be like, well, let's just see what happens. You know, we'll ask and like like what we do at our church, and we have a whole process. But for us is I need to be notified. And we basically tell that staff member that they can't they can't be working until the investigation is is done. And so what we'll do is we will suspend, not their pay, we'll still pay them, but we will no longer have them work at the church. They can't be serving until the investigation is done, until we can fully get the truth out. And sometimes we have to hire a third party, and we've done that. We have had to ask third party to help us. And great things, we're part of a denomination, and so they got involved. They can get involved in things like that. Or if worse comes to worse, we actually have to hire a legal company, like a law firm. They actually have law firms that do this. They do outside investigation like this. But I just want to encourage church leaders that you got to take that so seriously. You cannot just take it lightly and be like, I don't know, and 
and just kind of ignore it because that's happened so many times. There's been so much sexual abuse. There's been so much abuse in the church by pastors and church leaders. And I think the greatest mistakes we've made is that we haven't taken it seriously enough. And so there needs to be a process that needs that needs to be put in place that when stuff like that comes out, then there, that, then there has to be that kind of an investigation. And we have to take it very, very seriously. And if it does come out that actually the person, the pastor or the, the director or the employee did sexually abuse it, they got to be let go immediately. They cannot um, they cannot uh, be uh, on staff anymore. And I, that's, that's just an important part to it. You can give them a restoration plan. You can help pay for some of that stuff, you know, uh, for some things like that, but they got to be let go as immediately. So I just wanted to share that because I just think that's important, especially for church leaders to hear that because many times we give pastors the benefit of the doubt. And I'm just telling you right now, we can't, you know, we can't do that. Um, you know, you can suspend them for a while, go through, have a proper investigation. And I really would encourage you to get a third party to investigate it as opposed to you and your church leaders, get somebody else to do it so that, you know, there could be an unbiased approach to the investigation. I think that's going to be really key. So, yeah. What What are you thinking, Sua? No, it's, it's. I mean, I it suddenly reminded me of that horrible news with the whole SPC churches. And it's like probably not a good thing to bring back up, but they were like, right. do you remember there was like a, they found a list of people who had been pastors who had been accused of sexual harassment. And it, the list was like super duper duper long, but they had kept it right. under wraps for like over 10 right. years or something like that, because they cared more about uh, their actual right. denomination and their church's reputation than the actual people um in their congregation well i mean the cap the um, catholic church did the same thing the catholic church did the same thing when priests were abusing children you know and so it's just like you gotta take it seriously no matter what i know it can make you look bad make the church look bad but again it's 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 abuse and it's wrong and none of the people that are on church payroll church payroll like I, i take it very seriously this is god's money that we're using to pay people in the church they have to be held at a higher regard. And and if there is incompetence from the work that they're doing, they're just not doing a good job. They, they, you know, things you gotta help them, you know, and and you know, you, we gotta let them go if they, these things don't happen. But if there ever is an accusation, even though it might be one of your all-star staff members, like this person does everything right, like in terms of like they grow your church, people love them, they lead great, they're great speakers and whatever, no matter what. When somebody comes out and says that this has happened, you got to take it incredibly seriously. And uh, and especially if somebody says that they've been sexually abused, um, it's got to be held um, seriously enough where you actually then at that point say, well, you know what? We can't we can't do this. We got to hire somebody else on the outside to investigate this so that we can really get to the truth. And unfortunately, that hurt, you know, like Willow, when a lot of the stuff came out about Bill Hybels. You know, they kind of did their own thing. They hired their own firm to kind of do the investigation. It was a very biased investigation. And then they had to hire uh, an unbiased firm and, you know, and all this stuff came out as a result of it. And so it's an unfortunate reality. But yeah, so there's there's a, there's a whole process, but I just want to encourage uh, church leaders that you got to take it incredibly seriously. So anyway, yeah. It's so funny. Any it other like thoughts you have? Of, no, it like reminds me of like relationships because I've seen this pattern a lot. Um, like not to like stereotype all the genders, but- I've seen this pattern where people get into a relationship and I, I want to say at least with my anecdotal evidence, it's always, it plays mm-hmm. out very specifically with like people get in relationships and then the guy yeah. checks out of the relationship and they clearly know it's not going to work out. This is not a forever thing, 
but they don't yeah. want to be the bad guy. So they just wait until the other, until the girl breaks up with him and he will yeah. just do whatever the bare minimum is to coast but he doesn't want to be the bad guy because he's so worried about his reputation. And so he will mm. just continue and hope and pray to God that the girl will dump him instead. <laughs> I have seen this play out yes. so many times. Yes, and it's yes, funny because yes, that's yes. what I'm thinking as you're speaking. It's like, I think we do this in like staff too, where like we've hired them and it's kind of like, well, it's not really working out, but we don't want to be the bad guys here. We don't want to be responsible for I hope you just lives. quit. Yeah. So yeah. God, please just let this person quit. Yeah. You know? And unfortunately that is not the godly thing to do. But unfortunately, a lot of people do that. A lot of pastors and church leaders do that. And I think, again, that just shows poor leadership and we have to have enough courage to say, you know what, I got to do this. And you have to fire them. You have to let them go, but let them go well, be generous if you can, um, you know, in that way. And uh, it's important to do that, especially as a church. We cannot operate the same way as in the world. We can learn from business practices and, and how HR does their things. I think we learn from that process as, as well, but we must never forget we are the church. And uh, and there's a and and we should, you know, we should we should be generous in how we we uh, treat people, especially uh, people who've been employed in the church and uh, and let them go well. Uh, let them go well the best we can. I mean, you know, the best we can. So yeah. Uh, any, any other thoughts, Sue, before we, we call it a close for no, today? No, I have never been able to hire or or fire anybody. So I have no Although authority you on to fire your topic. children sometimes. Yeah, that's good. I mean, what does that mean to fire my children? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 illegal. It's considered neglect, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. So listen, I, I don't I don't know how this is going to resonate with you, but if it does and you have some questions and thoughts, feel free to just really respond. Uh, we'd love to hear your comments and your thoughts. And also, we'd love for you to just continue to share with your friends and family about this podcast and help us spread the word. All right. So have a great, great day. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care.